0: as we continue our journey through the book of Ephesians, we now come to a place where we're going to talk about work. How many of you guys have a job in which you go and you go to work? I'm just curious if you would raise your hand for some of you who do. Okay, Uh, how many of you um, work at home? I'm just curious. We all do, right? And so this is a way to make work wonderful, you know? Sometimes people think, well, you know what would be an awesome job if I worked in a church? They think that that's like sacred and all the rest is secular. When in all reality, one of the things that we're going to see today is no matter where you work, it's sacred. It really is because you're working for Jesus Christ. And so today, as we go through our study, I have an outline Because as I was going through it, like, man, there's all these different things. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I, I want to try to organize it a little bit and put handles on it. So let me see if I can just kind of talk a little bit about this outline real quick. And um, you guys can kind of see more or less the idea of what I'm talking about. Um, Yeah, let's see here. I think we have one. So we're going to be talking, first of all, to employees um, and two things for employees to know your workers. Right. Ultimately, you work for Christ. You have to make sure you understand that you work for Christ. And then secondly, eventually you're going to be rewarded by Christ. You know, you might be rewarded. Let's just say you become a really good worker. You might be rewarded by, by being getting promoted and, and maybe even blessed financially, but maybe not. But that might happen. But if not, and you've been working faithfully, consistently unto the Lord, one day I want you to know that you will be rewarded, okay? So two things to know and four ways to work. Number one, we need to work obediently. Number two, we need to work sincerely Number three, we need to work heartily. And then number four, we need to work enthusiastically. We're going to see that in our text today. Very, very simple. So it's a word, first of all, to employees. And then secondly, to employers. And so that might be maybe you're a business owner. Maybe you're uh, the president of the company, CEO. Or maybe you're just a foreman. You have individuals that, in one sense, are underneath you in that structure. These are things to know. Number one, uh, God is your master. Even if you own the company, you ain't the boss. God is your master. And then number two, God has no favorites. And so even you might be up here on the rank, it doesn't mean that you're any better than the one who's over here. Absolutely not. God shows no partiality. And then even when you're a boss, you have to be really careful that you don't let your personal, uh, you know, things, well, I'm going to promote them over them because I like them more like a friend. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to make sure that you're fair. So those are things to know and then ways to work as far as, you know, masters or employers go. Number one, you have to have the same work ethic as your workers. And so all the things that they just got done saying to the employees Actually, apply to you as well because he says to them, We're going to read it. You guys got to do the same thing, you have to do the same thing. So, same work ethic. And then, number two, there's a different motivation than most employers. So, one things are, or some things are the same, other things are different. And by that, what you guys are going to see in the text is that most people then, and some even now, the way that they would rule is by threatening. Hey, if you don't do this, you're going to get demoted. If you don't do this, I'm going to dock your hours. If you don't do this, I'm going to fire you. And that's how they get people you know, going. They crack the whip like that. And God says, when you're a Christian, no, we have to do it different. And we'll talk about this. And so let's go ahead and read in, in verse 5 of Ephesians chapter 6. It says, "Bond servants." Be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, insincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and, and not to men, knowing this, knowing that whatever good anyone does he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. So if you have a new King James, you know, obviously you got the word bondservant and you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, does Christianity, does it advocate slavery? I mean, we're talking about bondservants and masters. Well, you know, when Christianity never advocated the type of slavery that we saw in our nation Um, never, never would there be kidnapping. Never would there be that type of employment or employer's, employee's relationship. But one of the things that Christianity did, and we even see it here in our text today, is it, it made everybody equal so that ultimately, you guys know William Wilberforce and some of these guys that were used by God to eradicate slavery. They were Christians based on Christian principles. So eventually they were able to get it Uh, to where it needs to be where we are today. So slavery, even though it's still going on in the world today, the the Bible and those who follow the Bible realize that it's not right. And so, you know, if you have, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but if you're really interested in that, I would encourage you to go to gotquestions.com and they have a really good section uh, answering that. But for us, because even in those days, you needed a job. This is how you got a job. This is how you provided for your family. And so this is employees and employers. And so he says to the employees, it's a couple of things you got to know. Number one, you work for Christ. You know, you're, that, that we don't work merely under management, but we work not for man, but for Jesus. Jesus. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. One guy said, he wrote back in the 19th century, whether it was smiting an anvil, sawing a beam, whiting a wash wall, uh, uh, driving horses, sweeping or scouring, everything gives glory to God if you do it for that reason. And so when you're at work, believe it or not, man, I don't know what your job is, But if you're doing it as unto the Lord, that can actually be a celebration of the labor of love. It totally transforms your work atmosphere when you realize, number one, you're working for Christ. And then number two, that eventually you will be rewarded. You know, the other day we did a... a, um, one of the guys did his testimony in our Bible college class. A really cool guy, tatted down, big you know beard. I mean, just the background that he came out of, prison, things like that, is pretty, pretty amazing. And so before he was a Christian, he was a terrible worker. He didn't have that conviction. He had, like a lot of people who work, I'm going to do as little as I can. It doesn't matter if it's sloppy, as long as I get paid. And so a lot of people have that mentality, right? They don't want to sweat. And so that's how this guy was. But then when he got saved, man, God just convicted him with this understanding. No, I work for Jesus. I work for Jesus Christ. And then he started showing up to work on time. He started showing up with this excellence of, uh, of, of, of you know, just that heart to, to want to do it right. And he ended up getting promoted. And so I get blessed seeing this, knowing his background, knowing where he probably would have ended up had he not had this conviction, maybe losing his job, back on drugs, things like that. Now his family is being blessed because he's such a hard worker. And he's a hard worker because he knows who he's working for. He not only knows who he's working for, he knows that ultimately... I will be rewarded by Christ. Now, like I said earlier, sometimes that means you're going to make more money. Sometimes that means you might get the promotion, but not always, right? Because sometimes it doesn't work out that way. But if you do work for Christ, one day when you stand before him, you will be rewarded. You know, that's what we read right here. It says, those of us, it says, verse seven, with goodwill, And that word really means enthusiastically. Enthusiastically doing good service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing in verse 8 that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. Eventually, you're going to be rewarded. Revelation twenty two twelve. 12, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're a plumber or a painter or a pastor. It doesn't matter. If you do that work unto the Lord, then he will reward you. Because God has you there. You're going to see as we go through here, he, not just to make money, but to, to, be, to be a missionary. And so we need to know we work for Jesus. We need to know that we're going to be rewarded by him. And this is how we work. We work, number one, uh, Paul says right here that we work obediently. Again, look at, at verse five. It says, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your master's. You know, and that just means if your boss tells you to do something, do it. Don't give him a hard time. Don't complain. Don't challenge. Don't question. Just do it. Now, later on, we're going to see it would be foolish for an employer not to listen to his employees. But sometimes people have that attitude. Like, I just, I just, I don't like to be told what to do. Then go get another job. Either that or just repent, because the bottom line is, you, God put you there, and number one thing He says is you got to be obedient. You know, I look back on the different jobs that I've had throughout my life, um, and I know a lot of you guys can relate to this. I know this, and so I want to mention this. How many of you guys used to do yard work when you were a kid? You would go down around the neighborhood and mow lawns. Did any of you guys do that? I'm just curious. None of you did that? Come on. There's got to. Okay, we got a few people here. You know, I remember, i 10 years old, 11 years old, right there in Adelia. You know, one of the ladies had an electric mower. The other guy uh, here in West Covina, he had one of those push mowers. You remember those? They weren't motorized. And I remember, even with my friend Paul Sergusa, we both we would go to the, you know, do yard work for this one guy, Mr. Smith. And think about this. You know, you're, you know, you're just a young kid. And so he liked the way I work, but he fired my friend. Now, my friend, think about it, getting fired as a 10 year old, man, that's pretty hard, right? But, you know, we have, this, the, we have these experiences. How many of you guys would wash cars? You would wash cars, right? Now, some of those people, they made you, like, now I realize I should have charged them more, like, detail the car, you know? And now you realize, hey, man, that should have been $100. But anyways, whatever, you know, they tell you to do it. They tell you to clean those rims. They tell you to get detailed in the little air vents or whatever it might be. I mean, if that's they're the ones that are paying you, then you just do what they tell you to do. They want you to vacuum it. I mean, you name it. So for us, we, we learned this. And I remember... 17 years old, starting in the market, when they say clean the bathroom, scrub the toilet, sweep the floor, mop it, bag groceries, check a price, collect the shopping carts in the parking lot. Doesn't matter if it's raining. If they tell you to do it, then you got to do it. That's the way it is for us. When I was construction, digging holes, digging holes, digging footings, that was tough. When I started as an assistant pastor, I was there for seven years. I didn't really know the full scope of my responsibility But I showed up, and then they told me what I was supposed to do. And in those days, largely consisting of janitorial work in a 25,000-square-foot building by myself. So I would go in there and think about this. You're an assistant pastor? Yeah. And there you are, you're vacuuming, you're mopping, you're scrubbing toilets. You know, there were days, I mean, for seven years, working six days a week, And there were days or seasons of construction where I would work 15 hours a day plus. I don't think there's a pastor's union. Maybe there is, but all I know is there. And we're talking about a big, you know, open building. I learned how to do T-bar from, you know, there was nothing there. We're talking about framing walls, you know, drywalling things. I mean, we're talking about learning how to paint so much stuff. And all I knew was this. All I knew was like, this is my boss, tells me what to do. I'm going to do it. You know, and I'm not complaining and I'm not bragging because I know a lot of you here, you have the same testimony. But for whatever reason, sometimes we get a little older and for some reason we don't remember those things. For us, it doesn't matter. I teach in a Christian school or I teach at a public school. It doesn't matter who signs your checks. The realm of responsibility we have to understand, no matter what your job is, is that it is sacred. Your job is sacred because you work for Jesus Christ. It's so important for us to understand that. And therefore, he says right here, you have to be obedient. You have to work obediently. You have to work sincerely, he says. You know, that word sincerely is an interesting word in the Greek. It means singleness. It means that when you're there to work, you're supposed to work. That's what it means. Now I know we're living in different days now, and I just I was doing some research on this, and it's pretty interesting um, nowadays with cell phones now so um, I remember back in the olden days before I you know we got cell phones, I remember if you know you wanted to take care of personal business, you had to wait until you had a break, and then you know you you work for whatever two and a half hours, two hours, three hours, you go take a break and then you make the phone call. They say now because not every job allows you to have a cell phone while you're working. Uh, Some do. My son, they don't allow him to use his cell phone while he works. But for those of you who do have cell phones while you work, the big question is, because they say now in the United States of America, that the average person uses their cell phone for an hour a day. So they're doing personal things on company time. Now, I know some of you, you use your cell phone for work. But you have to ask yourself a question. If I'm supposed to be working right here for Jesus Christ, this is my job, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm using that time to do my own thing, that's stealing. That's stealing. And so for us, we have to be so careful. You know, we should be, and I've talked to many pastors over this. I remember my pastor used to say the same thing. For whatever it is, it doesn't seem like there's a difference among the Christians. Christians should be outstanding workers. We should not be like the rest of the people. We should be, you know, a a cut above because we are working for Jesus Christ and we are working therefore obediently. We are working therefore with sincerity. You know, sometimes I think people, they take their jobs for granted. They're like, oh, I got my job. It's no big deal. And you know they don't appreciate it the way that they should, and they don't understand the structure that God gives us in the scriptures no that's that's the one that I put there. You have to be obedient to them, you have to be sincere, you have to have this heart for them. It's not just doing the right thing, okay, I'll do it, but you have to do it if you're a Christian with the right attitude, he says, you know right there, oh, you have to make sure that we do this." From the heart. Notice again, verse five, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. That means you do that job with excellence and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. You know, some people, when it comes to work, their head is in it. Their hands are in it, but their heart is not in it. Why? Because they have forgotten that they work for Jesus Christ. They have forgotten that this work right here is sacred. You know, I'm not going to cut corners. I'm not going to see if I could squeak by with doing as little as possible. I'm not going to work for a paycheck only. I'm going to work for the Lord. You know, something that is frequently a litmus test is what he mentions right here. He says, not with eye service, as men pleasers. And that means that there are those individuals who work harder when the boss is watching, or they work harder. If the boss, you know, would find out what they're doing with their time. Now, nowadays we, we're living in post-COVID, and a lot of people are working from home. And I got to be careful that I don't get like legalistic or weird or whatever. But you know, uh, just because you're working from home, you know, doesn't mean that you can just give you know 50% of the time to work and 50% to your own. No, I mean that's like I said, it's stealing. And so what if the boss was there watching you or aware of exactly what you're doing? Would you be doing the same thing? Because if not, then you're just a man pleaser. And so for us right here, that's the litmus test. I remember I used to have this friend when I first started working at the market. His name was Armin, and he would work in the produce department. I was the courtesy clerk back then. And I would see him like just kind of like doing it real quick, so just to let you know, when you go and you work at the market and you do the potatoes, you're supposed to take the old potatoes off, put the new potatoes on the bottom, and put the old potatoes back on top. Do you guys know that? That's probably why you dig and you get those on the bottom, huh? Anyways, you shouldn't do that. They're still good on the top, but if you don't rotate like that, eventually they're going to be rotten right on the bottom. But some guys that are lazy, they just throw it on the top, just throw it on the top. And this is what this guy would do. He would be lazy. He would do that. He would go in the back room and be reading the newspaper and smoking a cigarette. And he's getting paid for that. There are some people who have that mentality. I will do as little as possible. As long as I get a paycheck. Well, you don't even know who you're working for. You're supposed to be working for Jesus Christ. And so it's not with eye service. not just when the boss is around. Not just when the boss knows what's going on. Not just when the boss is watching. Because in reality, the boss is always watching. And so for us... My encouragement to you is to be the best worker employee in the company. What a witness that would be. What if your boss got saved because he saw that witness? Now, I understand we're living in days and, you know, unions are there and they're, you know, have their you know rules and limitations, and th- that's okay. If that if all that's within your your job, your company, your framework, that's cool. You know, you can take advantage of that, and you can live in that. But but well, the heart that we have behind it is, Lord, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to be lazy. One guy said this. He said, "I like work. It fascinates me." I can sit and look at it for hours. (laughs) They say there's three kinds of workers. And they say, for example, when a piano is to be pushed, the first kind gets behind the piano and pushes. The second will get in front and pull and guide. And then the third, he grabs the piano stool. Now, I understand that that needs to be done. But you have to ask yourself, which one am I? You know, Colossians 3.22, it says pretty much the same thing. bondservants obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. I'm here to tell you guys that if you know who you work for, for Jesus Christ, and if you know that one day you'll be rewarded for that, what it will do is it will bring this place of I'm going to work obediently and I'm going to work sincerely and I'm going to work heartily and I'm even going to work enthusiastically. That, that's what that word right there speaks of in, in Ephesians 6 uh, verse 7. The New England translation says obey with enthusiasm as though serving the Lord and not people. I wonder if there's anyone here who has a boss that, you know, you don't like. I'm curious, man. Sometimes we have bosses that are not cool, right? They don't know the Lord. They're not saved. I remember one time I had a boss. uh, uh, His name is Ed. I hope he never watches his video, but man. (laughs) He was bad. He was lazy. And, you know, to make matters worse, not only was he lazy, but then he'd be pushing people around and just kind of like, being unfair, I remember to the other workers, and he was the head of our department, and I had a hard time with this guy, to be honest, and I was a Christian, and here I am working with this guy, and so we're, we're going toe-to-toe. I mean, it's just, it was a rough season of my life, and you know, I didn't, I hated him, because to me, laziness, laziness, oh man, I struggle with that. I struggle with that, and especially when you're gonna be lazy, and you're going to take advantage of all the other people. He used to put so much work on me, so much work on me, that I would literally clock out of my job and then I would go back for hours and finish up what he had told me and threaten me, you better get this done. And I, here I am hustling, sweating, but when you work in the, in the produce department and you, you, know, you gotta take care of this whole section right here before you're done and then they call you to check and you're over there checking the whole time, you don't have enough time to do what he called you to do, what he said you gotta do. And so I would literally just clock out and work on my own time. I, and later I realized that that wasn't the right thing to do either but, you know, that's the pressure that we were feeling. And so anyways, um, one day, finally, the Lord just said, give it to me. Surrender it to me. Be obedient to him. Just do the best you can. That's all. Do it with, with unto the Lord and don't make it this thing where you don't like him. Love him. Pray for him. Try to see him with my eyes. And then all of a sudden, I started going to work with a different attitude. And so, long story short, we worked hard for this guy and we made him look good. And so he got promoted. And so you're probably thinking, oh man, well great. No, what ends up happening? He goes to another store with you know greater bonuses because they do more business, but the guys over there didn't work so hard for him. And then he got demoted. And I was so happy about that. <laughs> I was like, Lord, no. But here's, the, here's the, the, the understanding that, you know what? The Lord sees what you're doing. You do it unto him. And don't worry about these other people. 1 Peter 2.18, it says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. And so that's what we have to do. You know, as we do this enthusiastically as unto the Lord, I like what Martin Luther King Jr. wrote. He said, If a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep the streets even as Michelangelo painted or as Beethoven composed music or as Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep the streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say... Here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. And so for us as workers, we have this word. But then as we've seen, as we've gone through the book of Ephesians, it's a two-way street. Not only to say, wives, submit to your husbands. The husbands, love them as Christ of the church. Children, obey your parents. Okay, your parents, make sure you don't provoke them to wrath. Okay, you employees, make sure you are obedient to your employers. But notice what he says now to the employers or the masters. He says in verse nine, and you masters, here it is, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Now, for us, we read that and it's like not that big of a deal, but it was so radical back then. It was radical for a wife to have rights. It was radical for a child to have rights. It was radical for a slave to be seen like this to where he says to the master, you do the same thing to them. Now, that's interesting. What does he mean by that? You know, last night I was talking to my family and uh, it was kind of cool what Aaron said. He said, if you want to get the best out of your team, you've got to be the best for your team. And it's about attitude. It really is. For those who are masters or employers, two things to know. Number one, God is your master. That's what he's saying right there. Your you know boss, well, don't forget, you got a boss over you. That's why I like the way the Jews, they wear the yarmulkes. Because that reminds them constantly, there's someone above them. And so you own a company, you're president of the company, whatever, CEO, you're the top gun, whatever it is. You know, you got a master over you. And in one sense, it's a heavier responsibility. You know, so he says, number one, two things you got to know, God is your master. And then number two, that God shows no partiality. That God has no favorites. You know, let's just say you are the president of the company. Let me ask you a question. Does that make you any better than anyone else? Absolutely not. God doesn't look at it like that. God shows no favorites. Not only that, if you're the president of the company, you got to make sure that you don't show partiality with those in the company. You know, Deuteronomy 10.17, Acts 10.3, Romans 2.11, you read it over and over and over again, the fact that God has no favorites, except me, other than me, God has no favorites. (laughs) I'm just joking, we're all equal, right? And so we need to know that. And so two things to know, and then a couple of ways to work, like I just mentioned. It's interesting how he says that in verse nine. Look again, you masters... Do the same things to them. Do the same things to them. And that almost sounds a little confusing. I mean, what do you mean? I'm supposed to be obedient to them? I'm the boss. I'm supposed to be obedient to them. I'm supposed to be like obediently, sincerely, heartily, enthusiastically. And the answer is yes. Yes. You know it's interesting in verse twenty-one of chapter five. Before he tells the wives to be submissive to their husbands, he says submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Just because you're the top gun doesn't mean that there won't be times when you're going to be obe- You've got to be obedient to them. I'll use this as an example, and I hope I don't. I don't know. I won't get in trouble for this. I don't think I will. I, I don't know. I won't. Yesterday was the women's luncheon, right? And so my wife Shelly, she kinda oversees that and she's surrounded by so many helpers, but at the same time she's one, you know, there. And so you guys know that technically speaking, I'm the, the husband and she's the wife, and so she's supposed to be submissive to me, right? And and even in the ministry, like I'm the pastor, you know, and you're the woman's ministry overseers, so you're supposed to be submissive to me, right? Well, when there's a woman's lunch, then it's the other way around. <laughs> I mean, she's in charge. And I woke up the, yesterday morning and I just knew going into it whatever my wife tells me to do, I will do. Because this is an event, Lord, that, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm the pastor, it doesn't matter if I'm the husband. You know, I got to do the same thing to them now. And so she tells me, you know, empty the trash, remove the chairs, and, you know, Shelly, every once in a while, I'll be honest, man, she'll crack the whip, man, and so things are happening. And if you're not careful, and if you're not filled with the Spirit, you might just be like, oh, you know, like, you know, you start, you know, copying the pride and the attitude, and let me tell you something, that gets you into trouble. No, I knew going into it, man, she's going to be, you know, encouraging me to, to do things. <laughs> And um, and that's what he's kind of what he's saying right here. You know, like you're, you would be a fool if you were the boss and you didn't listen to your workers. And there are times where they have much better advice or counsel and you listen to them. You, or, or in one sense, are obedient to them. Now, ultimately, I know we have a responsibility as leaders and, you know, sometimes, you know, it might not always be that way. But that's basically what he's saying is the attitude has to be the same. We have to have the same worth ethic as our workers do as they're commanded to have here in this section. As a matter of fact, one of the things about being a leader, especially in the church, is that you have to really know how to be a servant, if you're a leader who leads you have to make sure you have a heart of submission as a matter of fact Warren Wiersbe said that the the um the authority of the ministry is submission and so you're submissive to Jesus Christ you're submissive even in one sense to other people that's kind of how it is as a as a leader that's why the great leaders in the bible the great ones they were servants I think of Joseph, for example. Joseph was exalted to the second most powerful position in the world. But prior to that, he was a slave. He was a prisoner. I think of Moses. Here's this man leading the nation of Israel. He was a shepherd for 40 years, a little puny shepherd. David, the king of Israel, where was he? he was a shepherd. Joshua, who eventually would lead the children of Israel into the promised land, was a faithful assistant to Moses. And so whenever there is that aspect of, I want to be a leader, it has to be preceded with the heart of being a servant willing to be submissive. And this is really all that we're seeing right here. You know, we have to make sure that we do the same things, as they're called to do. But one thing we need to be, to do different than the rest of the world does is, is threaten people. And some guys are like that. You know what? And I'm telling you, man, you know what? Maybe it'll work. And in the world, we have guys that are pushy and threatening. And I'm going to fire you. I'm going to demote you. I'm going to dock your hours or whatever it is. And that's how they get people to do what they want them to do. But for us, it should be really an atmosphere of encouragement and love. I remember when I used to work for Vons, and then they were bought by Safeway, and you know Safeway. And I think it happens a lot of times when there's transitions of companies to companies, things like that. I think it happens a lot. Basically, um, what the next company will do is they'll try to squeeze more out of you, squeeze more out of you. And I, and I learned, I, I learned no, I shouldn't, I, I, I we we shouldn't be that way because it doesn't help the work atmosphere. No, as a matter of fact, I'm I'm learning because no one ever taught me how to be an employer. And I'm learning. I'm like, okay, we're not gonna work six days a week. We're gonna work five days a week. And you know, if an individual needs a day off, I won't blink an eye. Because man, God's been so good with our staff. And you know, like different things. Like, I mean, for me, yeah, maybe I won't have control over how much money an individual makes, but you know, as far as, you know, family time, birthdays off. I talk to individuals and, you know, from other companies and I'm like, man, they get vacations and man, you know, they have whatever it is, you know, these holidays off. And, and I and I never thought about it before. And I'm like, well, if they will do that for their workers, maybe we should too. I mean, shouldn't the church treat their workers better than the world does? And so anyways, we're trying You know, we have to have that heart. We have to have that understanding, not threatening. That's horrible. Some people are like that, though. I read a story about a manager and a sales rep, and they stood looking at a map on which colored pins indicated the company representative in each area. And he told this guy, the boss said, I'm not going to fire you, Wilson, but I'm loosening your pin a little bit right here, just to emphasize the insecurity of your job. No, it shouldn't be that way. Right here, he says, give up threatening. And so whether you're an employee or an employer, the attitude that we need to have is, Lord, I'm doing this for you. It doesn't matter what it is. It's sacred because I'm doing this for you. And I will say this. Yesterday, when Shelly said, empty the trash, I like emptying the trash, to be honest. I like cleaning toilets. I, I like it. So that, I'm not bragging about that. I actually like it but I was just in a fresh way because I was getting ready for the study. I was in a fra- it was a fresh thing for me as I'm carrying the trash bag out to the trash can. I was thinking, wow, I get to do this for Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Don't you think? And then even if you're not, it's not a work you know, where you're getting paid, my wife sometimes she'll tell me and she heard it in a study as she's there doing the dishes. She's there doing the dishes for Jesus. So whatever it is, you do it unto the Lord, it changes everything, and you can actually make work wonderful. Huh? Isn't that cool? One last story I'll share with you. After the great fire of 1666 that leveled London, the world's most famous architect, Christopher Wren, was commissioned to rebuild St. Paul's Cathedral. One day in 1671, this architect, Christopher Wren, he saw three bricklayers on different scaffolds. And so he approached each bricklayer and he asked the first one, well, what are you doing? To which the bricklayer replied, I'm a bricklayer. I'm laying bricks, building a wall. He then approached the second bricklayer with the same question, what are you doing? He said, I'm working hard, laying bricks to feed my family. But then he went to the third And this was the one who was laboring enthusiastically and productively. And he asked him the same simple question, what are you doing? And the reply came with a gleam in his eye. He said, I am doing my part in building a great cathedral for Jesus Christ. And that's when he saw these guys, that's why they're working the way they are. For the first bricklayer, building the wall was just a job. For the second bricklayer, it was just an occupation wherein he could make money. But for the third, it was a heavenly calling. And that's how it should be for us. Three men doing exactly the same thing with completely different perspectives, with completely different motives, and with completely different rewards one day. And so my prayer, Lord, Help us to understand that you are worthy. I pray that we would know he is worthy for us to work unto him. Why is he worthy? Let me ask you a question. Why is he worthy? Because he died for you. He died for you. He died for me. He died for us on a cross. He died for us. You know, you guys that are Christians, you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ and you know you're going to heaven when you die. What an awesome gift that that is. What a wonderful privilege it is to be a Christian. And so for us, we celebrate that today. We're going to have communion. What a blessing it is to be able to know that. But if you're here and you're not a Christian, if you have never given your life to Christ, then I pray that today you would make a decision to follow Jesus. You know, we're talking about working for him and he's worked for us and that he laid down his life. And so I pray that we would place our faith in him.